0: You are now listening to The Dime with Josh Rodriguez, your weekly go-to podcast for all things NBA. Subscribe on iTunes or listen every week on Dimepodcast.com. And now, your host, Josh Rodriguez.
1: What's up, everybody? Welcome to The Dime. Are the La- Raptors no longer Fugazi? Are you worried about Golden State? And I have my resident Hornets fan here to break down on what to do with Kemba Walker. If you want to follow The Dime on Twitter and Instagram at The Dime NBA, give the show five stars on iTunes, and please leave a comment or review saying how much you love the podcast. The Dime hotline is now open. So if you want to leave a question or comment to be aired on the show, you can leave it at 805 826 3463. And now you know what time it is, ladies and gentlemen. It is time for me to introduce to you the guest of honor. He was my co host for the 10 minute drill heard on the Ford Mile Podcast Network and the Flex on Fantrack back when we were on the Fantracks Podcast Network. Please welcome to the show, AJ. Kelly, what's going on, man?
0: Josh, thanks for having me on. Always good to jump on with you here and talk sports.
1: Love it, man. I love it. Um, How you been? I feel like you and I haven't done a show in a long time. I think the last one we did was a draft preview, right? Or was it really?
0: Yeah, I think it was a preview. It has been a while. I miss it. I miss it. It's good to be back.
1: (laughs) Yeah, man. All right. Well, AJ is the residence Hornets fan. Um, You're the only Hornets fan that I know. So I wanted to do a Kemba Walker episode because I selfishly want him to sign with the Knicks next year, and he's been in and out of trade talks, um, I guess linked to the Pelicans, linked to a lot of different teams, and being that you're the only Hornets fan that I know, I figured it's fair to bring you on and talk about it.
0: Hey, I'm happy to talk about him. I love Kemba. Don't get your hopes up, though. I'm pretty sure he said today that he's, he's, uh, he can't see himself in a Knicks uniform. He didn't say that. He said something about like always wanting to play at MSG. I forget the exact quote. I don't have it in front of me. But he said something about like wanting to play at MSG or wanting to come home. Oh, it was it was from August actually. Can't see myself in a Knicks jersey.
2: No, oh, this is, Josh,
0: this, you're gonna love this. This is a this is a slap in the face. The the headline got cut off, and it said Kemba Walker quote Can't see myself in a Knicks jersey. I want to win. <laughs> but the rest of the headline goes on with Hornets. So that was him saying that. But okay. the headline cut off on that. I want to win. I can't see myself oh my out this my jersey.
1: Uh, and you know what? If, even if I saw that headline, I'd be like, oh, you know what? That makes sense. I don't blame him at all. He's not wrong. But, uh, <laughs> all right. So a couple of shows ago, Mike Rippey was on the show, and he brought up this trade machine uh, segment. So I want to get into a trade machine segment that was inspired by my good friend Mike Rippey. I got a drop for it. Leslie. Let's hear the drop.
2: Hey Rippy, load up the dime
0: trade machine. It's time to get our GM game on.
1: <laughs> yes, it's trade machine time. This is gonna be sponsored by Meet the Host. You see Meet the Press, you've heard of Inside the Actor Studio. Now it's Meet the Host, turning the microphone back on the host. You can follow the show on Twitter at Meet the Host. It's hosted by Mike Rippy, who's a friend of the show and basically the creator of the segment. Right now I'm gonna give AJ I guess a few trade scenarios for Kemba Walker, being that I'm a Knicks fan, none of these actually involve uh, him going to the Knicks, interestingly enough. This is me just testing the water, seeing what you would do as a Hornets fan, Okay, Are you ready? All right, so the first trade that I got is John Wall for Kemba Walker and Jeremy Lamb. Who says no?
0: I think the Hornets say no to that. That's what... Really? You wouldn't want John Wall? I love John Wall, but... Jeremy Lamb has quietly been like he's a, he's a solid two guard for them. That's what I'll say. And I think you can look at that, especially this year. You could argue Kemba Walker is the better the better point guard right now than John Wall. So I look at that and it's like okay, I get you get John Wall under contract for what five more years? I think he is, but he's got he's got some yeah. absurd amount of money like 140 or so, a million. I think it he's was. making
1: 19 million this year. I think it goes up. Yes, yeah, so that's, that's a yeah. lot.
0: So I think when you would look at that, I get the whole prospect of if Kemba leaves in free agency, you're going to have John Wall, but there, I haven't seen anything. I mean, you can't really take these players on their word. sometimes, you can't, just like you can't take GMs on their word. We saw it with the derosion trade. So you can't really take, a business is a business, and if someone comes at Kemba in this offseason in the summer and throws a ridiculous amount of money at him and he has the chance to pair up with someone like Anthony Davis or like LeBron or somebody like that, that might be too good for him to really narrow down. But I think the Hornets, in this case, I'm not doing it given the fact that I think they have... Have the better point guard in the deal, Kemba Walker. I would go all in on trying to get him to resign, and then and then you try to resign Jeremy Lamb. If it's got to be at a discount, maybe it is. But you got gotta let him walk. I I don't think I would do this one if I was the Hornets.
1: Interesting, because Jeremy Lamb has one year on his deal as well. So you're basically getting rid of him. I, I don't know. What I was thinking was, you know, if you do value John Wall more than Kemba Walker, and I think a lot of play, people in the league do, obviously you don't. I'm mean, Kemba's having a phenomenal season. He's 29 years old. You know, the question is, is this the beginning of the end of his prime? Is this his peak? I mean, that's a question that you have to answer yourself too, because yeah, you might want to sign Kemba Walker, but you're signing him at the age of 30. How many years are you going to give him? And then are you going to give him more years for more money than what you're giving John Wall? And are you okay with that?
0: He's, Kemba's also having the best year of his career so yeah, I get that you're, like you said you're giving it to a 30 year old you're giving it to a 29 year old or whatever he's going to be but he has seen his numbers steadily increase and he's playing out of his mind this year it's not like he was lighting the world on fire when he came out of UConn right away and he was immediately hitting stride out of the gates I think he's just hitting his stride right now and like you said this might be his peak but I would fully expect a plateau of, for him to be able to play at this level for the next for like coming seasons
1: Okay, interesting. I just wanted to throw that at you because, you know, John Wall, his reputation right now is all over the place. I mean, he was regarded as one of the best point guards in the league maybe a couple years ago, and now a lot of people are sour on him. I'm not as sour on him. I just think that his situation in Washington has basically brought him down, and he needs to be out of Washington right now.
0: I think the entire situation in Washington has just brought everybody down.
1: (laughs) That's true. All right, so this is my next deal. It is a three-team deal. The Pistons would receive Kemba. The Dallas Mavericks would receive Reggie Jackson and Dwayne Bacon, and the Hornets would receive Dwight Powell and Dennis Smith Jr. And the reason why I am drawing Dennis Smith Jr. in this deal is because I am not a believer that Dennis Smith Jr. and Luka Doncic can coexist. I don't think think so. No, not at all. I mean, I I don't have the numbers in front of me. I actually should. I'm doing a freaking podcast about this. But on the court together, they're not. the, The Mavericks are a lot worse with Dennis Smith Jr. and Luka Doncic together on the court. I think Doncic is the better player. I think their styles clash. Dennis Smith Jr. needs the ball. Listen, Dennis Smith Jr. is talented. He's electric. He's going to have success in this league but if the Mavs are smart they trade him immediately and they build this team around luca because i don't think they're going to be able to coexist later on in the future
0: so you think kemba and luca would be a, let me get this hold on let me make sure i got the right one here oh you got kemba going to the go, pistons kemba. okay and then Reggie jackson and they right. can go into the Mavs, okay right. um as weird as it might sound to say i think i'd be more tempted to take this deal if i were the hornets it's nothing against John Wall. Like I said, I thought John Wall was great, but I think Dennis Smith Jr. has the upside. And like you said, if the Mavericks are just – because I completely 100% agree with you. If you're building a team around so – on if it's either DSJ or Luka Doncic, I'm taking Luka Doncic every time to build that team around. So if they're going to trade one of them, I agree for them it should be. But I think that might be more of – I don't know, DS – Dennis Smith Jr., I like his game. He's – don't get me wrong, I still think Kem is better, but – if you trade Kemba and get him, you're getting a significantly younger player than that. Whereas John Wall's younger than Kemba, but it's not like you ha- and you would have him under contract. But it's not like he's right. It's not like he's someone that you could say, okay, we can have him for the next ten years. Dennis Smith Jr. might be that guy. So if they're gonna trade Kemba, if they're go- if that's what their ultimatum is gonna be, like I said, I don't think it's gonna. I'd be more inclined to take this deal of the two that you gave. Fun fact, the Hornets drafted yeah. Dwight Powell too. And then traded him. Did they really? Which, yeah, they drafted I don't remember him and that. traded him immediately. It was one of those like draft night trades. I just saw I just <laughs> saw him in the in the deal and it's like, oh, there he goes.
1: Yeah, I mean, you figure you get two young, I guess, I don't want to say prospects. I mean, Dennis Smith Jr., is is—is he a prospect? Yeah, I would say so, right? It's his second year in the league. White Powell's been in the league for a little bit, and he's still kind of young. I think he has some upside. I mean, you don't want to lose Kemba for nothing, because I, I'm i not really sold that he's staying. I know he's saying he wants to be loyal. He wants to win in Charlotte. Um, Michael Jordan's the GM, which I'm sure has some influence on Kemba, but they've been nothing but mediocre with Kemba on, on the roster. I don't know what the ceiling is for the mag. Would you? Would you even sign him if you're Jordan? I
0: would 100% re-sign him. Absolutely, because he's he might be he might be the first team All NBA point guard right now for this season.
1: That is, you know, you're not exaggerating. He's having the great season right so, now.
0: So, and when you see that type of, I mean, he has that, and they just have to do a better job of building around him. That's what I think they need to do. And it's not like because if they get rid of Kemba. Say that. I mean, I think that takes them down a wormhole for a long, long time. Because if you get rid of him, you might get someone else that you can build a franchise around eventually. But if you're going to trade him for a young guy like a Dennis Smith Jr. or something like that, Dennis Smith Jr. has no pulling power and trying to get other superstars. You know what I mean? Like another free agent superstar might look at Kemba Walker and say like, yeah, I think we can build something there in Charlotte. Or I think we can, I mean, the East is weak. You might say, I think we can compete in the East like that. If, and then who knows, if Kawhi ends up leaving in the offseason, that might be even more power to get a, another superstar to come to the East. I just think you need to have to do a better job of building this team around Kemba.
1: So what would you do if, if you're GM? If, if you're Michael Jordan right now, I mean, you have these terrible contracts, but Toombs terrible. terrible. Uh, I wouldn't say he's a terrible player, but his contract's terrible. Zeller's contract is tele- terrible. Like, What would you do if you were Jordan? How could you get rid of these See, contracts? See,
0: that's, that's what... That's the difficult part because they have these awful contracts. Batum's twenty four million, Biombo seventeen million, Marvin Williams fourteen million, Cody Zeller thirteen million, Michael Kidd-Gilchrist thirteen million. All those guys are making more than Kemba Walker, which is like sickening when you think about it. So, I think you have to try to make a splash at at somehow because Anthony Davis's name has been thrown around in rumor mills forever, like for the entire time, and now. If you were able to, this is what I don't like about the trade machine. We talked about this a little bit. You can't you can't include draft picks because the Hornets have all right. these terrible contracts, and so the money's going to work for Anthony Davis with the terrible contracts. But the the Pelicans are going to have no interest in trading Nick Batum or in trading Anthony Davis for Nick Batum and Malik Monk. But I look at that roster and it's like, okay, if you can put together Nick Batum, Malik Monk, I like Miles Bridges. I like what he does for the team, but I'd even be willing to throw him in. And then if you can get Anthony and then throw in like three first-round picks, and then if you get Anthony Davis, that trade works. So –
1: now, do you think the Pelicans would do something like that? I guess the three first-round picks would what worth If you're going
0: to get I two first-round I mean, first picks and a second-round pick, if you can do something like that and get Anthony Davis, where you can keep him on a contract, if you can get that, because then talk about even more recruitment power in the offseason. You're putting Kemba Walker and Anthony Davis, two first-team All-Pros this season as of right now, on one team in a weak Eastern Conference, and then you get one wing player like that. Like Miles Bridges has, has really, like— It's frustrating because you're trading Batum and you're trading Bridges. There's like they're only successful win players at the point this at like at this point (laughs) in the season. You have like nobody else out there. Dwayne Bacon's like can't sniff the court, and uh, they just they've done an awful job building around Kemba and Kevin Love would be another name that I would like to see them get. I think Kevin Love takes way too much hate. I've always been a Kevin Love fan. I just I think he just got all the blame in Cleveland, and he just.
1: He, He's always hurt, though. He's making a lot of money. Is,
0: but I mean, is Kevin Love making a lot of money worse than Bismack Bianco making a lot of money? Uh, if you are looking at the Horn- you are looking at the you're Hornets right. roster, so if you are going to pay all your money to someone like that, I'd rather pay money. I'd rather pay how much is he making? Twenty five million, I think. Twenty four million. Yeah. Now they 24. they can't trade him until January twenty third from the expansion extension. But I'd rather pay Kevin Love twenty four million than pay the combination of Marvin Williams and Cody Zeller twenty seven million.
1: That makes sense. That makes a lot of so, sense, actually. Yeah, and then maybe you can shift your eyes you over. Or yeah,
0: and if if it takes a three team deal to get maybe a team like Phoenix or a team like Orlando, and Orlando is in the playoff picture right now, but I don't think they stay there. But if it takes a three team deal to get like one of them to take a bad contract off your hands, if I'm the Hornets, it, I, I'm buyers. I think they what are they the sixth seed right now in the Eastern Conference. Now don't get me wrong, I don't think the Hornets are title contenders. I don't I don't think they're they're the six, they are the 6 seed right now 14 and 13. I don't think they're going to be contending for a championship this season. They have they clearly have their ceiling and they clearly have their floor. I just think at some point you need to be a buyer because if you were to get say an Anthony Davis or say a Kevin Love, I still think that that could make you more of a contender next year because you never know what's going to happen. If Kawhi leaves, the, if if Kawhi leaves the East, what's going to happen there? If the Celtics are going to have to make a move, or if they trade some of their guys, if they crumble. So you never know what's there. And I just think, I mean, maybe that's the competitive aspect of me, but I always want to compete. So I would want to get someone to elevate me to be able to compete with the Raptors, with the Bucks, with the Sixers, with the Celtics, rather than selling off my best player and all pro and then I find myself scrapping at the bottom with the likes of the Orlando Magic and then like the Phoenix Suns who have are four and 24 or whatever they are.
1: So you're not done with the Kemba Walker error. You want this to continue. You just want Jordan to make smarter adjustments.
0: Oh, 100%. I look back, getting ready for this, I look back at some of their draft misses, right? So this oh, is what, so I went hear. back I went back to their draft picks after Kemba when Kemba was drafted okay. in 2011, right? 2012. Now this is—it's just like you always say, hindsight is 2020, or don't cry over yeah. spilled milk, right? You could have done whatever. <laughs> but in 2012, they drafted Michael Kidd Gilchrist, right? After him, <laughs> I had to. I'm sorry. I think that's that, hilarious. Hey, I think mean, it deserves <laughs> it. After him, they could have had Bradley Beal or Andre Drummond. And these are just a few names. This isn't the whole draft. I th- and I'm not going right. like all the way down to like the second round steals, where like Draymond Green went in the second round. It's like, oh, they could have taken him at six overall. Okay, whatever. They, anyone could have had him. So I'm I tried to stay in the same like vicinity when I looked at who they could have had and who they took. Okay, and who they did take right. 2013, they took Cody Zeller. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm I think you like doubled up on that. That's even worse. <laughs> Damn.
1: They okay. Yes. Yeah, so-
0: so they could Go have ahead. had there – they could have had C.J. McCollum. They could have had Steven Adams. I, I'll even put up there. He, I think he's good. Oh, he's solid. Had, underrated.
1: Very underrated player.
0: they could have had Giannis. Now that's – like I said, that's where you're sticking in more of the stretch. They, I, I think Zeller was fourth overall and Giannis was like 15. Right. So it's like, OK, I could have taken this guy. But there was a big discrepancy. But even then, those are – so that's what? Five all-stars that they took – five all-stars that they passed on to take MKG and Cody Zeller. And Two years. In yeah. In 2014, they took Noah Vonleh. Nothing against Noah Vonleh. <laughs> he's on the Knicks. Actually, playing very well right he, now. But I, it, yeah, he's he is playing good basketball right now. But yeah. they, I don't think he was worth the number nine overall pick. I'm pretty sure that's where they took him. And but the only one that really stuck out to me behind him there was Yusef Nurkic. They could have had him. So, but nothing right. else really jumped off the table at me. 2015, they took Frank Kaminsky. Which...
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> this is ridiculous, Jordan.
1: I was Are you right serious, Michael Jordan? I was alright. Okay. Right Frank's uh, okay.
0: I, coming out of. He's okay. When, when the draft started, before the very first pick went down, I said, I hope the Hornets get Kaminsky, right? And then when Justice Winslow dropped to them at the insurance, I was screaming at the TV. I wanted them to take I, Justice I, Winslow. I,
2: yeah.
0: yeah. So, but uh, he's, he's been injured. He's not exactly panning out, but still, I mean, Frank Kaminsky isn't really fine in the court he's okay. all that much. He's all and right. then they could have had Miles Turner or Devin Booker that year.
1: Ooh, that,
0: that, one, that one really stinks. I think that one hurts the most. Yeah. And 2016, they drafted Malachi Richardson, but they traded him away immediately. So there's really, they didn't have a draft pick that year that they kept. Right. So they marked that one down. 2017, they took Malik Monk and he really, he's gotten better this year. He didn't perform up to what they expected last year, but he has gotten better this year. He couldn't really get any worse. But they could have had Donovan Mitchell or John Collins. Now, John Collins has been hurt right. to start this year, but you could have taken Donovan Mitchell. Donovan Mitchell and Malik Monk, there's your two guards right there. And in 2018, I think they did well with Bridges. I like the pick, I like the pick in that one. That's probably their best pick in that, what is that, a seven-year gap?
1: Yeah, but at the same time, but, yeah. like you just said, you're going back into time, and it's like, who did you really get to help Kemba Walker? You didn't do anything. And then on top of that, That's your what, free agent signings have been – who have you signed Batum I like a lot I don't know if he's worth that money and he's always hurt I think
0: Batum was a good sign yeah I I, I did like him but they also they had to spend all that money on him because they drafted Cody Zeller Noah Vonley and Frank Kaminsky and Michael Kidd Gilchrist they drafted four guys back-to-back years that can't shoot the ball right I mean Kaminsky Kaminsky can shoot but he's seven foot he's not like he's a wing player they so they drafted no help on the wing for him and that's why that's why they were scrambling basically this past year. They took Malik Monk because they were desperate for scoring last year. They needed scoring to help Kemba Walker. They were desperate for it. That they took the guy that was probably the purest scorer in the draft, and it just hasn't transitioned that well into the NBA right. So if you would have taken, if you could have rolled out, imagine. So they drafted Kemba 2011, and then they let's say they took Andre Drummond, CJ McCollum, and then like, and then let's even have them miss on Noah Lake but then they take. Miles Turner, you could be starting a lineup that was Kemba Walker, CJ McCollum, Andre Drummond, Miles Turner, like, or they could have had Devin Booker and starting Devin Booker. It's just, they could have done, there are hindsight's 20-20, but they could have done so much better than what they did. It just feels like every single draft pick they had was a miss.
1: Honestly, even just hitting on one of them makes a huge difference. You don't even have to hit on three. One or two makes a huge difference. I mean, you have the backcourt of Kemba Walker and CJ McCollum. Right now, they're leading the Blazers to the playoffs every year in the East, Kemba and, and CJ would have done the same thing. And they would have been, I wouldn't say a threat in the East, but they would be a top four or five team with Kemba and CJ based off of what Dame and CJ are doing in Portland. They don't really have help out, out there in Portland outside of Nurkic. So it's, it's it's very it's very interesting. It's just one one hit. That's all Jordan needed. Even if Michael Kidd-Gilchrist, I, I don't want to completely undersell him. He's been
0: valuable for them on the defensive end, at least. Like defensive rebounding, that's what he does more of.
1: Right, but not at the spot that you got him at. That's the thing. Even
0: even if they take him, it's just fun to say what if. Even if they took him, 2013. Let's say they took Giannis, and then let's say they took Nurkic in 2014, and then let's say they took Devin Booker in 2015. Right, their starting lineup could have been Kemba Walker, Devin Booker, Giannis, MKG, and Yusef Nurkic.
1: Right, solid. It's just exactly, and it's just that's
0: just there's some there's some GMs that. Hit on every pick, and there's other GMs that don't hit on any of them, and Michael Jordan is the latter right now.
1: Ah, oh, man, that's terrible. Terrible to hear. All right, let's get into uh, some NBA action from last night. Now, the Warriors losing to the Raptors in the, sit- in the way that they did without Kawhi Leonard was a huge deal. I went to the Clippers-Raptors game a few days ago thinking that it was going to be a really good game. Then Kawhi was announced out before the game, so I'm thinking, well, this is not going to be as fun as I thought it would be because Kawhi's out. I was expecting a closer game. The Raptors just blew the doors off of the Clippers, who are a good team. That's not like the Clippers are. The Clippers of the past. Um, how good is this team, man? <laughs> I mean, they just basically went on the road, West Coast trip, which is not easy to do for an East Coast team, and beat the doors off the Clippers and the Warriors, two playoff teams.
0: As someone that has a ticket at the Toronto Raptors to win the NBA championship at fifty to one.
2: At fifty to one. <laughs> oh, I nice, love AJ. what I'm seeing.
0: I love it. Nice, That's AJ. What. Nice. Yes. And like you said, that was without Kawhi. They beat the doors off the Clippers and then they beat the doors off the Warriors. And now I'm not out here saying that the Raptors are perennial favorites to win the NBA championship right now, because we've seen the Warriors flip the switch and what they can do, right? This is this is a Raptors. You see them, they're head and shoulders the favorite in the East now, without a doubt. And it's the, I mean, it, that's not even a fact of the matter of the Celtics might be underperforming right now. It's just the Raptors are playing that good. Kyle Lowry's been, he's been playing cold as of right now. But Fred Van Vliet was my pick for sixth man of the year. He's playing well. Love him. I don't know if he's the sixth man of the year. Level right Love now, him. but he's playing well. You're, you're not
1: gonna find yeah, and for people listening, you're not gonna find bigger cheerleaders of Fred Van Vliet than me and AJ. Yeah, I think yes. AJ and I have been on Fred since he came into the league. I mean, back in Wichita since the Wichita State, the Wichita
0: State days. Yeah, that undefeated Wichita yeah. State team, him and Ron Baker. Oh man, I, I loved watching that fight. Yep. Rest in peace, Ron. Ron yeah. Baker, uh,
1: NBA <laughs> oh, career just got waved. And- just got waved. Oh, Ron, not gonna miss you, but I do like you. I hope he gets picked up.
0: But yeah, that's what. So the Raptors. I mean. They're just, they're the def, they're the, they're the definition of cohesive basketball right now. That's just what it, it feels like every single person on that team, their play has been elevated. And I don't know if that's just from Kawhi getting there. I don't know if that's just we're more motivated now. I don't know if that's just whatever it is. But Pascal Siakam's having a career year. Love him. Van v- Love him Van Vliet, too. Danny Danny Green Valanciunas he's out for a month now, so that's gonna hurt them. But.
1: Oh wow, he got hurt last yeah, night, that right? Yeah, it was
0: just announced today that he's—I I forget exactly what it was—but he's going to miss four weeks. They said. Ah, uh, yeah. That's so nice. that hurts them, but still, Serge Ibaka playing well. They've been and they've been rotating thumb, sur- thumb surgery is what Valanciunas is having, dislocated thumb. But they have the, they have the depth there. I mean, they have they've been rotating Ibaka and Valanciunas in their starting lineup. Pascal Siakam sticks at the four, and then they bring Kawhi. And like you said, to see them do that without Kawhi, and that could be. I'm not just going to chalk that up to to oh the Warriors just didn't want to play or it's just a regular season game for the Warriors. It's not like they just didn't show up against anybody. Like when they when that game tipped, that was being touted as a Finals preview. So you don't just right. roll into a Finals preview and like okay whatever like happens to this team. Like those are games that you get up for. It's not like they were playing the Suns.
1: Right. It's it's a team that I mean honestly the Raptors have been making the most noise out of any team. In the league, to me, this year, I mean, maybe the Bucks. You can say I don't think anyone expected the Bucks to be this good. Boston has kind of slacked off. You know, people talk about the Lakers because it's LeBron James, but if it wasn't for LeBron, they, I mean, they're playing well, but they're not making that much noise. I think the Raptors, you can arguably say, is are they're probably making the most no- noise or putting the league on notice more than any team in the league. And it's kind of weird saying that, being that they were the number one seed in the East last year.
0: Yeah, and that's what they're they were the number one seed in the East, and people are like shocked because. I don't know if people just forgot how good Kawhi Leonard was since he took a year off or maybe they just it. thought he like wasn't going to be good for the team. And I like I just don't get like you said they were the number 1 seed in the East last year. They felt like they were like perennially disrespected going into this season and now everyone's just shocked that they're doing well when they added a superstar. It's not like they traded DeMar DeRozan for a bag of chips. They traded they traded DeMar DeRozan for one of the best players in the NBA.
1: That's true. Nigerian looks like
0: a genius right now for making that trade.
1: I think a lot of it has to do with the way they went out in the playoffs. They got swept by the Cavaliers. Dwayne Casey gets fired. It's kind of like, oh, this era's over.
0: But yeah. Hey, but maybe that's good because that was the era that couldn't get past LeBron, and that was the era that couldn't get past the East. You were I think it was the Raptors when we were talking about last year. You're a firm believer in the fact that teams can't change their stripes. That was I remember you saying yes, that. I, I think yeah. it was the Raptors last year. And
1: that's exactly what we're talking about. They just, yeah. just
0: they changed right. their stripes. They traded DeMar DeRozan. They traded Dwayne Casey. They brought in a whole new Tiger outfit, if you want a leopard can change of spots or whatever that one's going to, whatever that saying is. They brought in a whole new outfit. Right. They revamped the team and they said, this is what we're doing. And it's working for them. So hats off to Yujiri for making it work.
1: Well, yeah, hats off to them. We'll see what happens in the playoffs, though. I think, you know, I'm. I'm liking what I'm seeing from the Raptors a lot. I have this, I always make fun of them. They're We the North thing. I say We the Fugazi. AJ, I actually think the episode you were (laughs) on is titled We the Fugazi.
2: Yeah, Uh, I think (laughs) so.
1: Talking about the Raptors. Uh, But I got to admit, they do feel like a different team this year. Kawhi is a lot better than DeMar DeRozan. Uh, It's nothing against DeRozan. I think Kawhi is just that good. And they, they play together. And Nick Nurse just seemed to kind of just fit in right away with the team. You know, new coach doesn't seem to, you know, be bothered or phased. The team doesn't seem to be responding to him. There's been no slacking whatsoever from that department. So I, I'm encouraged from what I see from the Raptors. LeBron is not in the East anymore. I do think they have a legit shot to win the East. But, you know, I'm holding off my excitement. And I'm I'm, I'm, I'm reserving that because it, it's still kind of hard to picture the Raptors in the finals right now.
0: <laughs> I think if you, I think right now though, if you if you said to me Raptors are the field to win the East, I think I'd take the Raptors. And I'm normally one of the people that would always take the field if you're going to give me all that, but I think I would take the Raptors.
1: Oh, well, interesting. All right, so now here's a new segment I like to call "Dime versus Prime Time." This is where I basically take clips from debate shows like First Take, Undisputed, maybe Colin Coward Show, and AJ. I'm going to play for you a couple of clips. And let's debate these guys. Or if we agree with them, let's agree with them. Or if you and I disagree, we can debate. It's the dime versus prime time. The dime versus
0: prime time. The debate is over. When Josh says it's over.
1: (laughs) Thank you, Susan. I still haven't named her yet. I've given her a different name every single time. I oh, don't know. She's someone I found online. Anyway, let's get into it. AJ, I'm going to play you the first clip. This is from Undisputed. This is Skip Bayless this morning talking about Kawhi Leonard. Right now, this is the oddest stat in all of sports. <laughs> the Toronto
0: Raptors are seven and one without number two. That is his is Kawhi. Seven
1: and one, and guess what? Those seven victories, they have won by an average of 19 points, and all of them are on the road. They've won seven times on the road by an average of 19 points without number two. Good riddance to number two. I say because he was never there when you needed him. You want him back. And and you're talking about resting players. Yeah, they're having to rest number two like he's 39-year-old Tim Duncan, (laughs) and he's not. Okay, so Skip Bayless to me is out of his freaking mind if he doesn't think Kawhi Leonard is that valuable to the Toronto Raptors. Yes, they're winning games without him. I think that's a testament to Nick Nurse and basically the rest of the team, but for him to think that Kawhi Leonard means nothing to them is absolutely absurd.
0: I'm pretty sure, what did he say they were? Seven and one, right? Because this is ridiculous. Yeah, seven yeah, and one. Okay, you done. know what the one game they lost was without Kawhi? What? They lost 124 to 109 to the Milwaukee Bucks, right? Guess who their main competition in the East is? The Milwaukee Bucks, okay? So, nice. I, don't, I don't I don't buy into that at all. Like I said, maybe, this, maybe it's... I don't have their schedule and I can pull up their schedule, but it might take me a while to click through to see who they actually played against. Obviously they just beat the Clippers and the Warriors without him. So those are two respectable teams, but, and they lost. So that's two and one. That's three games we've encountered for them. The two wins against the Clippers and Warriors and the loss to the Bucks. So those other four, those other uh, five wins, who were they against? That's what I would want to look at before I can do that, right? Were they against the Bulls and the Hawks and the Cavs and the Suns? That's what I would have to, but I think, like you said, I think Bayless is out of his mind. I'm on. T- I'm I'm Team Dime with this one. I'm Team. I'm Team Dime. <laughs>
1: yeah. All right. Cool. Let's move on. This This is Steven Jackson talking about Luke Walton. I kind of want your opinion on this. I'm not sure if this is a debatable topic. Maybe just something interesting to talk about.
2: It will be hard for me to play on that team and, and respect Luke Walton. Why? This is, I played against him. What does that mean? I mean, I played. He wasn't. I don't respect him on the, like as as what? I, I mean, He won championships. If I was on Steve Kerr's, coach staff, he got hurt and I coached that team. Yeah, would I still be a, would I be a great coach? He got considered a great coach after that. I don't think he's a coach for that team. I think LeBron is doing all the coaching over there.
1: <laughs> I kind of agree with that, man. I mean, I hate to say it because I like Luke Walton, but I don't think Luke's doing much to coach that team i don't think i don't don't know what his philosophy is i'm not really sure what his game plan is and i think magic johnson is just waiting for him to slip up so he can replace him
0: i i tend to agree but i see it from two different sides because here's the deal like he like steven jackson said anybody could have coached that warriors team when steve kerr went down right i I think you or i could have done that just as well what did he go like 24 and 0 24 and 1 yeah whatever it was 24
1: and 0 yeah something crazy like that
0: so we were really going to get to see how good of a coach he was. It was almost a worst-case scenario for him. It, it sounds crazy to say, but his worst-case scenario as a coach was LeBron coming to the Lakers because right. that kind of put it – that took the Lakers from here's all these young guys. Coach them up and do what you can to to, OK, we want championships right now and guess what? we have the best player in the league and he's wants, he's basically going to be a player coach. That's what he is. So LeBron, you can say LeBron is basically the coach of that team. I, I think, I think that's perfectly within reason to say, but Steven Jackson coming out and saying like, Oh, like, does, I took that as like, Oh, I played against him. He wasn't that good. He's not going to make a great coach. Right. I don't think you have to be a great player to be a, a great coach.
1: I agree. So, Steve Kerr. Uh, I mean, he was a good shooter, but he wasn't a great yeah.
0: player. And I mean, even look at some of the great coaches right now. Brad Stevens. Brad Stevens. I don't. I don't think he ever played above Division Two, or did he, maybe he played Division One college ball. But no, you're right. Yeah. Like I think you can be a great coach without being a high level player. Sure, it might help because Le- LeBron's got the highest IQ I might have ever seen basketball IQ I might have ever seen in my entire life. And don't get me wrong. Great player and could be a great coach if he wanted to be. But I just don't think. Like I think it might. It's kind of not belittling Luke Walton a little bit, but it's putting him in a bad spot. Like I said, if you're saying, I don't think he can be a great coach because he wasn't a great player. Now, maybe that's not what Steven Jackson meant. So I, not, not to put words in his mouth, but that's just kind of the way I think it. And, you know, the Lakers weren't great last year, but Luke Walton was working with all those younger guys. And I think you see, you know, some of them are playing well. Kuzma's playing good ball. ingram has been playing good ball. So I feel like all that credit might be going to LeBron when maybe Luke Walton deserves a little bit of it. Sure, LeBron deserves a good amount, but maybe Luke Walton played a part in them growing as a player.
1: You know, that's true. I mean, he did develop him. I think Lonzo's coming along very nicely as well, too. I mean, he has some boneheaded mistakes. I mean, I don't know if you saw the game the other day where you tried this behind the back.
0: (laughs) It was ridiculous. Luke Luke Walton's face after that... (laughs) I think it was Lance Stevenson had like a wide open, yeah, wide, wide yeah. open shot too and he threw like it away two minutes and then Lonzo later. threw it away on a fast break and they just yeah. cut to Luke Walton's like like stone cold face on the bench. I was like, oh man, that's perfect.
1: But I'll be honest with you, I think Lonzo's progressed nicely this year. He's become a very good perimeter defender. He's shooting the ball with confidence. I, I love the way Lonzo plays. Kuzma's been killing it lately and, and maybe Luke does have something to do with that. I mean, I think maybe sometimes you give too much credit to LeBron because we know he's an extension of a coach on the floor and we probably just give him all the props in the world because he's LeBron James but it's hard to tell what Luke has implemented and what LeBron has implemented I mean there's reports saying that LeBron James is just straight out ignoring play calls from the sidelines so it I I feel bad for Luke but at the same time you know it's LeBron James and I think he at the end of the day he's going to want his own coach in at some point I don't think he really cares whether or not Luke is the coach and eventually once there's a slide or if this team gets bounced in the first or second round I think Luke's gone. And it kind of sucks. It's, it's unfortunate.
0: I think it could be. But from the other side of the whole great player, great coach debate, you can look at Jason Kidd. Jason Kidd was a great basketball player. He's got two chances to be a head coach in the NBA now, and they haven't panned out his way either way. And look at what the Bucks have done now with Budenholzer getting right. him in there to replace Jason Kidd. They have clearly taken a step up. And how much of that was the coaching? So Jason Kidd, on the flip side of that, great player, maybe not the best coach.
1: Right, and then also with the Brooklyn Nets, he had a roster. He had Darren yeah. Williams, he had Joe Johnson, he had Paul Pierce, Kevin Gardner, he had players, so yeah. it's, not, it's not like he never had a team to, to work with. So good point right there, AJ. All right, so last clip, this is Stephen A. Smith talking about whether or not the 2001 Lakers would beat today's Golden State Warriors.
2: Well, look at these two teams we're talking about here. Even though the, the transition was in effect, come around 2000, 2001, and what have you, it was still a different game compared to what is being played today. We know what they would do to to Steph Curry in today's generation. They would look at Steph Curry. They would look at Kevin Durant back in 2000. And please don't get me wrong, Max. They would be all-star caliber players. But do you know the kind of physical abuse they would have had to absorb. They would have looked at Kevin Durant and that skinny frame. Because remember, there was still an Iceman George Gervin, so we know he still would have got his. But they would have looked at him. They would have looked at a Steph Curry. And you know what they would have done? They'd have beat him up. They'd have ran him through picks. They'd have made sure they felt elbows all the time. All of those different things. So I think in that era... Because of the marksmanship of Steph Curry and Kevin Durant, Max, I can't summarily dismiss that. I know there's no way in hell those Lakers would have beaten these Golden State Warriors in today's game. No way in hell. Absolutely not. But back then... I would say, ooh, it's up for grabs. And if it were the 90s, I would definitely go with the Lakers team instead of this Golden State Warriors team because they simply wouldn't be physically tough enough to deal with the style of play that took place in the 80s and 90s and to a lesser degree, 2000s.
1: All right, here's my thing with this argument. I think the Golden State Warriors, as constitute, are the, is, is they're the best team I've ever seen, period. They have the most talent. They work well together. I mean, they're struggling right now, so it's kind of hard for me to even justify that. But, I mean, the past two years, their two championship teams have just been ridiculous. I hate the argument that, well, if they played in the 90s, they played in the early 2000s, played in the 80s, the game would be different, and they wouldn't be allowed to do certain things. Because I feel like that argument totally just— negates the fact that the Warriors would be able to do the same things that the other teams would be doing to them. Like Draymond Green is a dirty ass player. He's a physical ass player. You don't think he's going to be doing more things if you have 90s rules, if you have 80s rules. Clay Thompson is a phenomenal perimeter defender. You don't think hand checking is going to help Clay Thompson out a little bit as well. It's not like the Warriors are going to have all these disadvantages if they go back into time because they can use the rules to their advantage as well. And they shoot the three ball better than anyone has ever shot the three ball like this idea that the era matters to me doesn't matter to me it doesn't matter the golden state warriors in the seven game series would beat any team in the history of the game period
0: i don't know what you think aj but that's how i feel i'm kind of on the same page because i think this is this is like a slippery slope because it's like the ultimate like cop out like to say like oh yeah but if they played with the 90s rules they wouldn't be like well guess what they don't have to play with the 90s rules right now and that's why we're Thank seeing you. them that's why we're seeing them be that good they play they play their game the way that it's it's played today. It's not like they're the only ones playing this style of basketball right now and everyone else is trying to play volleyball. Everyone's trying to do – they changed literally what they do. And like you said, how I've watched the Warriors play and the Warriors are so good that it's frustrating for me to watch because it's like you hate them so much from a standpoint because they're so good. But it's like, wow, that offense that they just ran was – flawless the ball touched the ground four times and it ended up with a clay thompson wide open like it's just like it's like wow they they run an, they can run an offense that will run circles around any team any team and that's just coaching and it has the players as well but to say that oh if they played in the 80s in 1980 steph curry was what seven like you can't yeah. you can't say that because the game has changed over time and it's like okay if the 2001 lakers played the 1960s Celtics when there wasn't a three po- – like who would win that game when you were just taking twos every time? And who, who, like, who right. would win – the game has progressed. So I think it's unfair to both teams, to the greatness of the 2000-2001 the Lakers team and this Warriors team to say, yeah, but if they had to play each other given that team's rules in the back, I think it's unfair to do that because like you said, I agree. I think that Warriors team that we saw the last two years was probably the greatest team of all time. That's just what – it's just because – you can only compare them to who they're playing against. And that's, and that's what happened. That's true. So I don't get how you can say like, Oh, it's, it's unfair to say what that, would they have beaten the 96 bulls team or would they have beaten the 2000 Lakers team, because they don't have to play them. They never will have to play them. And, I think they did more in that time than those other teams did. That's just the way I look at it. I think it's unfair to both teams. I think it's unfair to all parties involved to say, yeah, but if you had to go ahead and play with these rules, we're now, we're now allowed to hand check. We, we, will be, but like you said, they, it's not like Kevin Durant, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, They're still
1: three top tier NBA defensive players. (laughs) Exactly. And you're giving them more rules to work with. You're giving them hand checking. You're allowing them to be more physical. It's like when people talk about the Warriors going back into time and playing in nineties rules, errors, nineties era rules, whatever they forget the fact that yeah, now Kevin Durant can hand check. Yeah. Now Draymond can hand check. And so can clay. Like they, they don't they don't give the Warriors that advantage. I mean, I, I think no matter where you drop the Warriors, no matter what time frame, whatever rules you want to put, they're going to beat whatever team they play, period, in some games. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter to me. And I, I think that the, the rules thing is a cop-out because a lot of people romanticize the past, and they don't want to admit that a team that they grew up idolizing is not as good as a team that's currently constituted. I, it, to me, it's not even close. I think they win that series in five. No matter, 80s, 90s, 2000, whatever it is. Get, they shoot the three ball too well. It, it's just not – there's just no way any team could ever beat them. Yeah.
0: I mean that's just like that's just the point that I even should have made earlier. They still have the defensive players. It's not like they're just all offense. That's just don't play defense at all. Like they right. still have – Kevin Durant is playing better defense than he ever has in his entire career the last two years. They still have Draymond Green who's a perennial uh, NBA Defensive Player of the Year candidate. Klay Thompson is one of the best
1: two-way players in the NBA. That's just they, – they have all the pieces. Exactly. All right, AJ, before we go, let's talk about the Western Conference a little bit. You and I were talking uh, via text before, and you mentioned a crazy thing that I didn't even notice until you mentioned it. You told me that 75% of the teams in the Western Conference who are on the outside looking in were in the playoffs last year. You got Portland, the Pelicans, uh, the Jazz, the T-Wolves, and the Rockets all missing the playoffs right now if they were to start today. That is absurd, man. So I'm going to ask you— what team do you have the most faith in or what teams, I mean, I, I guess you can say a few of these teams are going to leapfrog some of the teams that are currently in the playoff race. What teams do you think have the ability to do so? This is the
0: way I, was, I more look at it because the teams, I could think you can look at the Western Conference right now and you could say, okay, the teams that are in the playoff position right now might not be the pushovers that we thought they were going to be throughout this season. Now, obviously, the Nuggets are the one seed right now. They're eighteen and nine. You expected them. You expected them to get better, and you expected them to make the playoffs this year. Maybe at the one seed or that high, maybe not. And then you have the Warriors and the Thunder. Now, and then obviously the Lakers added LeBron, so you expected them to make the playoffs. I think you look at those four teams. Those are the only four where it was like, OK, I could if you look at preseason predictions, I feel like a lot of other the teams that are in the playoffs right now are then the Clippers, Grizzlies, Mavericks and Kings. Right. I feel like right. a, a lot of those teams would have been outside looking in. And granted, we're only 26, 27 games into the season. But I think you can look at a lot of these teams right now and say, OK, I, it, it's not like they're six and three and they're in the playoffs. You know, the Clippers are 17 and 10. And I think you can get a general consensus on the Clippers right now that they're not fake. They're they're going to be competitive throughout the season. The, the Grizzlies are the same thing. You get Conley, you get Gasol. Those guys, it's like, yeah, they, they play your bully ball that the 2001 Lakers would want to play, really. But I think you look at these teams and I think the Kings are like the only one that you could argue there are vastly exceeding expectations. The Kings are probably ones. I don't expect the Kings to make the playoffs. I expect them to get jumped. But when you look at the Western Conference, I see the Blazers, Pelicans, Spurs, Jazz, Timberwolves, and Rockets all on the outside looking in. And you look at at the teams that are in there and you say, okay, well, the Nuggets are going to be in, the Warriors are going to be in, the Thunder are going to be in, the Lakers are going to be in, and I think the Clippers are going to be in. So that means there's three spots up for grabs for those – For those six teams, so that means three of the teams that are out right now—between all of the Pelicans, Blazers, Spurs, Jazz, Timberwolves, and Rockets—that means three of those teams are likely going to be on the outside looking in because maybe they put themselves in a hole to start the year. And to me, that is absolutely crazy. The Rockets had the best record in the NBA last year. They're twelve and fourteen. They're the second worst team in the Western Conference right now. (laughs) How does that happen
1: after after thirty? That's like—is that thirty-three percent, thirty percent of the season? Second worst team in, in the Western Conference. That is absurd. I don't get how that happens. And it's like it's, I don't get it
0: either. It's it's ridiculous to me because if you if I yeah. look at this and I say, if you say, okay, pick two teams that you have the most confidence in to make the playoffs that are outside of position right now, I can't like I feel like I can't pick between these two. I feel like I would have to go with the Blazers. And I almost want to go with the Jazz. I feel like those are the two teams. I,
1: I, the Jazz is definitely one of them for me. I just think they're branded basketball. I think they'll turn it up. I think they'll be okay. Um, I, I still believe in Houston because I think Houston could rip off like 10, 12 straight. I think they're the only team out of, the, out, I, of the, out of teams looking outside in are the only team that can like get really ridiculously hot and jump a lot of teams.
0: They can, but that's just – I mean, they play the Lakers tonight, right? I think that's – yeah. yeah, play the yeah I so, I mean – that's just, it's just, it seems like there's no end in sight for Houston. It seems like, it's like, okay, yeah, whatever. They're one and four. It's just a slow start to the season. Okay, now they're two and seven. They'll turn it on eventually. Okay, now they're four and nine. Like, what's going on? Like, something's going to, when is it going to click here? And then you never know. CP3 missed some time with an injury. It's just, I feel like they're behind the, it, it's just, it's astonishing to me that they're the second worst team in the Western Conference. You know, maybe the Suns string together on four and twenty-four. Yeah, maybe. You look at all those teams in the Eastern or in the Western Conference, and then you look at the East, and you got the Magic at twelve and fifteen in the 8th seed right now, and it's just like, okay, but like you almost look at the Western Conference, and and it's just the playoff picture. The outside of the playoff picture almost looks like it could be the playoff picture in and of itself, right? Like, if no, you were right. preseason, if you would have just showed me these teams and said Blazers, Pelicans, Spurs, Jazz, Timberwolves, Rockets, I would say, okay, yeah, that's the playoffs. Like, right. maybe that's the playoffs, and it's like, okay, no, those are all the teams that are out of the playoffs. To me, that blows
1: my mind. It's astonishing. It, it is absurd, and uh, you're right. I mean, it's, it's that late in the season to the point where it's like, I mean, you said the Grizzlies. You grouped the Grizzlies in there. I think the Grizzlies make it, man. I think there's two spots. I think maybe you can make the case that the Grizzlies don't make it, but Gasol and Connolly have been there before. They have played together for years. I mean, Grind City, they went to the Western Conference Finals one year. I know they're older now, but they have three-point shooting. I think you can make the case that the Grizzlies are here to stay.
0: And then so, the Mavs, the, Luka Doncic, if he keeps playing, Luka, Harrison
1: Barnes, DeAndre Jordan. Yeah. It's I mean, like, the, the Kings are really the only team that are like, okay, they're not going to be there. Have you but watched outside the Kings the, this year, though? Yes, I, I have. Dude, each I time. love the Kings. I mean, each game that I've watched, they lost, but like I, I like what I'm seeing from De'Aaron Fox. I, I like them a lot. I That's do like what, the Kings. I, think.
0: I think that Kings team that they're like one, they're like a league pass team to me. That's what they are. They're like one of those teams where you know certain teams that are worth the price of admission to watch. I think De'Aaron Fox, he is unreal, and he can actually shoot this year. I just had to get that in. Yeah. I think the Kings are. I don't think they're going to make the playoffs, but I think they're, they're fun to watch.
1: Yeah, I think so too. I, and I think teams like Minnesota. Listen, they were in the playoffs last year, but Jimmy Butler's not on the team anymore. I don't think.
0: That's the thing with yeah. the T Wolves. I think that's what you can expect them to be out yeah. now with with trading. Yeah. G-bar. And then San
1: Antonio doesn't even have a freaking point guard right now. Um, I, I think. Oh, Brent Forbes. Stop it. Stop it. <laughs> and then Lamarcus Aldridge is not having that good of a season. DeMar DeRozan this has been a lot better than I thought he'd be, but I don't think San Antonio is good enough. So then that's Portland, New Orleans, Utah, and Houston. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. And then who knows what happens with Anthony Davis, what goes on with the Pelicans. I don't think he's gonna get traded at the deadline, but you know, you read rumors. It's they gotta it's, get healthy. Yeah, it's it's interesting. That's why
0: I mean they're hurting now with Moore and Miretic. So if they can if they can get healthy, they can get into the playoffs. And then they're even one of those teams that I mean, I'm pretty sure they beat the Warriors by twenty earlier this year. Or no, that was the Rockets on opening night. They beat the Rockets by twenty. Right. And everyone was like, Oh, it's just a fallacy and now here the Rockets are as the second last seed in the Western Conference. Maybe the Pelicans broke them opening night. Maybe could have,
1: or maybe Carmelo Anthony came into the locker room. That's what got, it was. Carmelo broke. <laughs> Carmelo breaks everybody. Playing on Melo. All right, AJ, thanks for hopping on, man. It's been fun. It's been a while. Yeah, hey, man, thanks for having me on. Always glad to join you. Where uh, can people follow you on Twitter? All that good stuff. Maybe a uh, tweet at you, get in contact with you. All that good stuff. I know you're uh, a fan of all type of sports. AJ and I used to host a fantasy football pocket. By the way. Good luck this weekend. Thank you. This, this is not on brand for basketball, but AJ and I were in this, uh, what was it, how many teams are in this league? Nine, 70, 72, 72. 72-team 72 fantasy football league. AJ's in the final four, so congrats to you, man. Good luck. I'm rooting for you.
0: Semifinals, baby. I'm going against, we're recording this here Thursday night. I'm going against Mahomes and Kelsey this week, so everybody, oh. let's hope, that's, listeners out there, let's see how, I think you, you said that we put this up Friday
1: morning. Yeah, yeah, so this is based right off before of, the heart attack. Yeah, so
0: <laughs> based off of the Mahomes and Kelsey performance, listeners can know how my Friday morning is going. <laughs> All right, where can people follow you
1: on Twitter, man? Uh, I'm at AJKelly76. All right, you can follow the Dime at the Dime NBA. I'm Josh Rodriguez at Josh underscore Rodriguez underscore. Next week, I'll have Christian Rosenberg from After Buzz TV and also Patrick Dees, who is the founder and – going to be, I guess, a team owner. He's a CEO of the Fantasy Controlled Football League, which is making a lot of headway in, I guess, the sports world. I don't know if you know this, AJ, but like Joe Montana, Marshawn Lynch, and all these people are signing up for that. So that should be an interesting interview. He's He likes basketball. We're going to try to tie in what he does with basketball as well. So until then, thanks for listening. I'll catch you around next week.